Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I didn't know we were recording. Okay. And neither. I think Sam is uh, getting real comfortable letting us say whatever we want. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that we said stupid shit on air. The last time when he was like, oh, you're recording, he said it after I was talking about how I was sobbing from my medication. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, good times. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I know you probably just heard us say we said stupid things on air. Uh, We didn't, we're not putting this in the, that in the episode, but you can hear us talk about how we said stupid things. We sure, we Um, certainly did say stupid things. And, uh. Our, our lovely uh, tech guy at Cast is in charge of letting me know when I'm recording, and he likes to tell me I'm recording after I've said something <laughs> wild. So <laughs> They wait, um, <laughs> they wait, yeah. Uh, but, uh, just, to, just to close out that story real quick, yes, I'm still figuring out my ADHD medication and the side effects every day are brand new. So yesterday's was fun. Uh, so fun. just sobbing for no reason. I Allison was like, you need to tell me what your feelings are. And I was like, I don't have any. I don't understand. <laughs> I <have> feelings. <laughs> the tears just keep coming. They just kept coming. Uh, Well, good for you. I'm so (laughs) excited for your journey. Um, Me too. It's good. This is, I will, I guess I'll just announce as well while we're being open about our medication that I also just started Lexapro. M calls me Lexapro now, which I'm really fond of. You're my Um, Lexapro. Oh my gosh. How's it going? Do you want to talk about it? Well, I'm only three days in and uh, no, no, you know, intense sweating like you're having yet. Sorry to call you out, but no, I uh, was. The poor Christine and Eva had to watch me earlier because we were getting ready to record and I was like fanning myself because I was having a hot flash. And five seconds later, <laughs> I was freezing cold. And now I'm having you a hot flash yelled. right now, actually. So, <sighs> oh, well, okay. They said it takes a couple of weeks to like do- kick in. So I'm, I'm like crossing my fingers and toes and hoping. But um, I've heard good things because I already took Wellbutrin and they were, and I was like, my anxiety is constantly at a seven. And they were like, um, really? Maybe we should give you something to balance it out. So that's, what they said. We'll see what happens. Um, so are, are you on, on a now? journey? Yes. Okay. Apparently well. they're a very good combo. I, I Googled it too, to make sure. Cause you know, the internet knows. <laughs> I Googled, I Googled side effects of Stratera, which I'm on. And then I texted Christine oh, all night about the, the worst of the worst side effects Uh-oh. that are possible. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. One of them was like pain in eyeballs. And I was like, Oh, oh my, my God. God. I was like, okay, just please be careful. Like stay indoors. Please, <laughs> like, give me the for- hot flash. That's all I need. <gasps> I'm fine. The hot flash is enough and the sobbing. Oh my God. Anyway, welcome to episode 199. <laughs> We're so close. We're so close to 200 and uh, we're going out with a bang, I guess, just making this the most obscenely and that's why we drink episode of all time, um, talking Mm -hmm. about ourselves and our crying and our medication. Um, And uh, we are so close to 200. We're very excited. 
yes. for 200. It's coming up way soon, way soon. We should um, uh, well, we should have a moment uh, of, uh, of silence. Of, oh, that's impossible. Of, of remembrance of try to reflect on our favorite moments of 200 episodes. But wow, there's just so many. I will remember. <laughs> No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. That's not fun for anyone. Okay. Uh, I also want to want to announce that we are doing something super fun. I know. Every, I feel like every week we're coming in with some like ridiculously new like Xenon information for Patreon, but we do have one, which is that uh, we're doing a Patreon Secret Santa, which I'm so amped about. Like, so I'm excited. very excited about it. I uh, we're going to so be a part exciting. of it. We're going to be yes. part of it. So you Gio's could potentially get involved. matched with us. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Watch. I was saying earlier, can you imagine if like M and Eve and I somehow got matched, matched with each other for this thing? Uh, <laughs> that would be precious. That would be, be very epic. sweet. Our lovely pal Jess, who who does like our newsletter and the Xenon Gazette, which is our Patreon newsletter, um, was like, hey, let's do a Secret Santa. I'll like help organize it, which is just amazing. Um, so we don't have like all the full details yet, except that it's for Patreon and we're going to just force our way into it and join it as well. I'm very excited. Um, so that'll be really fun. And then also, um, speaking of, uh, I just want to give like a first a quick shout out to my pal CK, our mm. pal CK, um, yes. classic Kevin, because a lot of people have been joining Patreon and being like, who is CK? And I'm like, hello, he touched the death chair like yeah, way a long now. time ago. And he's still those alive. Are the peop- those are the people who are probably starting like present day and working backwards and don't I know see. who CK is yet. But CK is a very, very, very lovely man. He was one of our very first fans. Just like um, a dear supporter. Yeah. He like supported us so much in the beginning and still does. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and he, they're, they're really after me today, huh? They are after you. This is another <laughs> episode where we joke. Where, where we, we joke about the ambulance in the background. Okay. <laughs> Dad jokes. Uh, CK has um, bonus listener stories on Patreon every month. And they're very, and he has a Scottish accent. So don't even worry mm. about it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I think people have requested that he just do our episodes, which might happen someday. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> if, if we ever if one of us ever is in a, in a pinch I'll we'll reach out to CK to, to cover that, for us it might be but we might never come back people no. might be like no no don't I'd come be back. like oh um, wait I actually I'm fired got it okay you're gone you're gone <laughs> you took my spot. um yeah so but CK create like we I, I think Eva or CK somebody came up with this idea and I think it's brilliant there's a special inbox now uh that he made called CK ATWWD at gmail.com where you can send your listener stories to be read specifically by CK on Patreon yes. um and obviously like we can't like I'm sure like a lot of people will be sending them in so I don't know how many are gonna get you know picked or whatever but um that's like an inbox especially for CK to filter through stories and find ones um yes. for his his bonus episodes so, so a lot if of would, things if you would like the sound of a a very uh, a burly Scotsman to yes. to read your spooky stories <laughs> listen he he's the man he's the one for it so there's that. Is there anything else we need to announce? Those were my big announcements I wanted to shout into the void. So I apologize for talking so much and so fast. Um, but that's no, all no I worries. have, Em. Why do you drink this week? Oh, well, I guess I know why because well, of, you know, your meds. <laughs> my meds. Wow. I've, I immediately became that person where, like, I can't stop talking about myself when it comes to, like, the fact that I'm, like, I'm officially diagnosed. I know I talked about it last week, but I still am just so excited that someone – listened to me if you are part of the american health system and uh you suffer from mental illness in any way um you know how difficult it is and so mm-hmm. i've been trying all quarantine to get anyone to give me five seconds and so i'm just really grateful and even though the side effects are kind of gnarly right now i don't care i've like i 
today you can attest uh, yeah, to this. Uh-huh. I woke up on my own without uh-huh. an alarm at 8:45 a.m. I thought something was wrong. What I was, the fuck I was is that? Very was worried. Wild. I was like, because M texted me and it was 11.45 and I was like, M doesn't usually text me before like 1 or 2 p.m. my time, <laughs> uh, which is fair. Like I also sleep in. Um, but yeah, I was just like, what's wrong? And I was like, it happened on its own. Like it was so I, wild. So. Also, like I, it was like not even uh, like you're sleeping and then like you're kind of like and like your eyes kind of open i was like a robot i just went like and i was like i'm awake now (laughs) (laughs) wow it was really wild and i i got i was exhausted by midnight which was wild because usually midnight is when like playtime starts like i I get the zoomies and like i'm up until minimum three in the morning usually i don't go to bed till four or five a.m you're right and then i wake up because i have to around 10 and then i just run on like those five hours of sleep and that's just my sleep schedule. And last night I was exhausted by midnight and woke up on my own for no reason at 845. It's crazy. So, I'm so excited for you and happy. I'm I, just well, so happy for you. I was just telling you I got breakfast with Allison. And I was like, oh, my God, is this what normalcy <laughs> is like? I can have breakfast with my girlfriend? That's crazy. <laughs> so. I can't even answer that because I, I just like <laughs> lay in my bed forever. Uh, but that sounds great. I'm so proud of you. Happy Thank for you. you. If you all are suffering from mental health or just even experiencing mental health, I feel like suffering makes it um, gives it a you know rougher connotation. But it's tough. Um, if you you're know. going through it, if you're going, yeah, if you're going through it, uh, we get it. Clearly, we like to yell about it. So um, certainly, we support you, and I hope uh, you can find the help you're seeking because well, M did it. I did it, quarantine, and so it's it really sucked. So please keep keep fighting to be heard because eventually it'll happen. Yeah, and um, I'm apparently now on Lexpro, so we'll see if my anxiety diminishes. I still have very sweaty <laughs> palms, so I don't think so yet. Um, my <laughs> watch yet. still tells me to breathe like every 45 minutes. It's like, it, literally, it's so annoying. It's like, maybe you should breathe. And I'm like, maybe you should breathe. But then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, you're right. I haven't breathed in six hours. You're right. You're right, watch. My heart is just like stopping because I'm not breathing. So, Do you have a reason why you drink? Besides, probably you know, that <laughs> your phone screaming or your wall, your watch screaming at you all the time. Um, it's not even that it screams; it like says it so passive aggressively. It's like, "Hey, have you thought about breathing oxygen?" And I'm like, "Hey, have you thought about shutting the fuck up?" Um, You're like big words for someone who can't fight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like try me. Uh, it's actually very problematic. I do yell at my watch a lot when I'm home alone. Um, no, I mean uh, we have a kitten, and he's a pain in my ass, but he's so cute, and he just sits on your face and like breathes at you all night and ew have you learned anything more about his personality like is he oh my god he's so friendly like everyone else at our house geo and juniper get their anxiety speaking of which from me and they like hide (laughs) well geo barks they are assholes i love they are assholes they are real just not fun i wouldn't invite them to a party if they were humans (laughs) (laughs) no uh judy hides in the vents as we know and like lives there for the time being until he decides on his own to come out and then so apparently we had people come and help with like fix our vet something's always broken and um they were playing with mooney and i was like oh my god like he was like playing with them and he he carries around this little toy and he brought it to them like a puppy i was like this stuff this cat is like the friendliest sweetest cat especially for being found behind a dumpster i'm like you deserve anxiety more than these (laughs) other two yeah you've actually Uh, had a a pretty rough life guy (laughs) yeah i'm like they live the life of spoils but they hide in the vents and complain but anyway he's very sweet i wish you were here to meet him 
I would someday. love to meet a friendly cat. Oh my gosh, that like almost never happens. I never meet yeah. cats, period. Um, but <laughs> It'll like, change your life. <laughs> but the ones that think they're dogs in like the, the sociable way, it always it's gets very me cute. feeling real cuddly. So He's a babe. Very excited. I can't wait to love him more than the others, which seems impossible already. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, uh, happy 199. I'll see you next week on the 200. Until Whoa. then, let's uh, crack into it. Yay. One more time. So, uh, one more time. Why do I keep singing? I don't know. Maybe that's I'm... a side effect of Lexabro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so weird is I used to sing through my apartment all the time. And apparently that was like a sign that of like, it was like a quote hyperactivity kind of thing oh, that I was my doing. Oh gosh. And I, since I've been taking my medication for the last few days, I haven't been singing around the apartment. Oh, no. So. It's like a bird that's been silent, a beautiful songbird. <laughs> Is what Songbird I call of our him. generation. But well, by the way, by singing through the apartment, I don't mean like singing actual songs. I mean like making up my own song, like freestyling nonstop. Oh, it's sure. incredibly annoying to even me. So <laughs> to yourself, I'm sure both of my roommates are like, "Thank I mean, God." I literally just said I get into arguments with my own watch, so it's just like, don't worry about it. I get it. <laughs> Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than ten thousand different kinds of plants and over two million happy customers in the U.S. You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac. And so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper 
and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, well, this story, uh, speaking of CK, this is from Scotland. Oh. Um, it's the story of Shrek. I'm kidding. But also, I should cover that at some point. <laughs> oh, please don't. Uh, um, okay, so this is, uh, I have surprised I haven't covered it. This is the story of the Loch Ness Monster. <gasps> Whoa, that just took me by surprise. That was my goal. I, I don't sh- even know how I didn't guess when you said Scotland, but we, we haven't covered this yet? That's what I thought. Well, I don't. I, we I haven't. We haven't. I checked. Okay. But I know. I feel like maybe I'm just imagining we did because it's such a big story. It feels like, oh, well, if I've covered Mothman and Bigfoot and all that, like, of course yeah. I would have covered this. But I also think the reason that we thought that I covered it is because instead of Nessie, I covered Chessie. That's from, what it was. And I've yes. also covered Peppy from Lake Pepin. Yes, there was something in a lake. Okay, that makes sense. Many, many are in lakes. This many one especially. Many are in the lakes. So, or in this case, lock. Um, to the lake. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, this is a story of Nessie. Ooh, I'm freezing cold right now. Give it Uh-oh, it's I'll happening. <laughs> as long as I don't start singing, then Look, we're all okay. It's, it's just a constant battle these days of just feeling uncomfortable in different ways. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's fine. So here's the story of the Loch Ness Monster. So the... First sighting was actually in year 565. Yeah, I remember it well. Look, it's just another one of those things where I had to double take because I was like, again, that is not a real year. Um, so it was in August August 22nd, 565. And the first sighting was by St. Columba, who was a missionary introducing Christianity to Scotland. Oh, um, fun. I know, yikes. Uh, so St. Columbo went to see the king of the Northern Picts, and apparently in a uh, biography written later about him, um, the saint had to cross the river, or block Ness. Um, mm-hmm. It was referred to as a river then, but I guess now it's, you know, a lake. Um, he had to cross the Ness and was uh, grabbed and bitten by a beast. Um, oh, no. And had to be rescued by a few men that were nearby. Oh, no. And here's a quote from that biography. Uh, But the monster lurked in the depth of the river, feeling the water above disturbed by the swimming. The beast suddenly swam up there, uh, or the, the beast suddenly swam up there, and they were struck down and was struck down with extreme terror. Um, St. Columba raised his holy hand and drew the saving sign of the cross in the empty oh, air. And then invoking the name of God, he commanded the savage beast and said, you will go no further. Do not touch the man. Turn back speedily. And then hearing <laughs> this command of the saint, the beast fled. So apparently. The, oh, my goodness. So Nessie started as the, an- the cr- Antichrist, I think. I mean, literally, I was going to say I was judging him, <laughs> but then I'm like. M literally says that our father the second something like moves in the apartment or like the second like M just starts 
crossing themselves and it's a whole thing. I watch the Duggars as a backup plan in case something <laughs> real demonic happens. I, I know what's going on. I can do the the, the cliff notes of the Bible if I, if I get in a pinch. Oh, okay. So uh, apparently this story should be in the Bible. It feels like it should because it sounds it like a saint blessed a beast away and saved people. It sounds like it should be a Bible story to me. Um, but anyway, it's just a biography. So that was the first sighting. Um, theories ever since, because Loch Ness, uh, the Loch Ness monster is still, according to some, a real thing. And throughout according this, to me, yes, according it, to only yes, Christine to and to maybe St. Columba, um, <laughs> same thing. The theories, uh, have, are very widespread, but people seem to think that the monster is either a sturgeon fish, a seal, a mythical creature, okay, uh-huh. a whale, a shark, a whale shark, a dinosaur, a salmon, a large eel, an otter, a sunfish, a sea serpent from the Middle Ages, that's specific, Whoa. or a mass of drifting soil. Oh, which just seems, like a little island. <laughs> seems the most likely to me. Yeah, it just kind of moves around. A floating um, lump, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so those are the main theories. Basically, it's some sort of aquatic animal. Uh, the main theories. Right. Okay. You went like from like anchovy to like dinosaur. <laughs> that was like quite a, an array you gave me just now. It's either a salmon or it's a mythical creature. It's so, literally a, right? you know, it's magic. Nar- narrow magic margin man. there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a couple fun facts for you about Loch Ness. Um, which is I keep having to like manually tell myself to say lock and not lake. So I'll is probably... that what that means? I'm so dumb. So lock is Gaelic for lake. Oh so my God. how did I not know that? Uh, I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised I knew this before, but usually I would be right on par with you. This, I think I only knew about it because I've looked up Nessie before, but, okay, that um, makes sense. but so lock, the Loch Ness monster is actually Lake Ness monster. The monster from Lake that Ness. That makes sense. Yeah. And so um, another fun fact is that out of all the locks slash lakes in Scotland, uh, there are 31,000 in Scotland alone. Oh, my. And uh, Loch Ness is the largest body of water in the entire UK. It is 23 miles long. It's uh, officially 750 feet deep, although other people with, like, sonars have said that they've found deeper. Um, but it's officially 750 feet deep. It is officially officially if unofficially. I think it was like another hundred feet officially. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just, I wasn't, very, gonna... I wasn't grossed out by that. I was grossed out by, I didn't catch it right away. I was going to say it. I was not going to say it. And then you said officially like two more times and I just couldn't hold it in any longer. I'm no, so sorry. It was deserved. You did a good I'm job done. there. <laughs> you, you told me what's what. So, um, it is, uh, yeah, so 23 miles long, 750 feet deep, and it is 263 billion cubic feet of water. Oh, my gosh. That sounds um, like a lot. Another fun fact is for some reason it never gets hotter or colder. It is always exactly 5 degrees Celsius, which is 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, that's chilly. It's chilly, but also, like, that's odd that it doesn't change. It is very odd. Maybe the Loch Ness Monster has something to do with it. Another fun what, fact. Like, it's a thermostat also and. <laughs> Well, like salmon and according to like maybe a dad, like maybe it's a thermostat, (laughs) and when the water goes up one degree, he'll. Oh right, right, right. Then we're all Uh, in trouble. (laughs) So uh, another fun fact is that Loch Ness, uh, whenever rain falls in the area, um, 
it, the, the lake is covered by a bunch of surrounding hills. And so all the dirt will go, it'll start picking up soil as it goes down into the actual lake. Mm -hmm. And I guess the soil there is particularly rich or nutrient dense or something, but excuse me. But so when, um, the rain falls and the soil collects and it all ends up in the lake for some reason, there's something about that soil where the lake, um, like Loch Ness is actually pitch black. Oh dear. It's not oh, no. blue at all. It's like something about the soil and light reflecting from the sun or I'm not a Ooh. scientist, but the, the, you're not. <laughs> can it, can you tell? Um, fooled but, me. but the lake is pitch black. So that makes it extra spooky. That is creepy. Yes. And it's so deep and dark that plants can't grow in it. Oh, so, Oh really? Yeah. Um, That's so odd. Okay. So Loch Ness is one of the four locks in this uh, valley called the Great Glen. So it's, it's only one of them. Um, but underneath the Great Glen, underneath this valley, there is the, the Great Glen Fault, fault line. Um, and it was formed sometime between 430 and, four, and 390 million years ago. Oh, good. Um, and it's big enough that you can see it from space, which is also Oh, fun. my God. This is the wildest thing ever. I... Throwing oh a lot gosh. of fun facts at you right yeah. away, but like you're blowing my mind. I I I felt like it needed to be said, like, oh well, you, from space you can basically figure out where the Loch Ness monster lives. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty special. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I think so. So um, anyway, after the Saint Columba's account, uh, where he maybe got attacked and then saved, sure, and Jesus saved him or something. Um, yep. There were no official sightings of Nessie for over a thousand years. Oh. So I don't know why they say like that must have been Nessie when it's like clearly Nessie's like great, 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 great grandpa. Well, um, maybe like the power of Christ compelled him to be gone for a thousand years and then he like researched. To time travel. That's what happened. Oh, he sure. Was, let's go He was that. spiritually banished for a thousand years and then magically came back. It could be. Wait a minute. Is he a time traveler? He's Is also he a, a salmon. He's a oh. salmon too. And a thermostat. It's very confusing. He's a salmon dinosaur whale shark. Why don't you get that? Yeah. I don't understand. I get it. I'm just saying it's, uh, I, I know that we're scientists and not everyone is. So keep up. You know what? You've made a, you've made a point, which I'm going <laughs> to. Have I'm I? Gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a good point. I'm just going to say a point was made. I'm just okay. going to stop talking. I'm sorry. So a thousand years later, when Nessie time traveled uh, back onto Earth, thank you to, you know, his exile from Jesus. Uh, 1930 happened, and in 1930, this was um, the this was the first time that the creature was ever referred to as a monster. So oh, okay. I think that's where this is when the Loch Ness monster was coined. Um, okay. So in 1933, fishermen in Loch Ness heard a terrible noise, and they saw uh, the water moving weirdly as something approached their boat. And it was so massive that it caused a wave that rocked their boat and they almost fell out. Uh-oh. So they were like, okay, what is going on here? What little dinosaurs uh -oh. growing out of this water? <laughs> um, and so here is a, a quote um, from that experience. A wave of two and a half feet high was caused by some unknown monster, monster that presumably inhabits Loch Ness. 
The wash was sufficient enough to cause our boat to rock violently. We have no idea what it was, but we are quite positive it could have not been salmon. Okay, so we can cr- cross that off. Oh, the well, list. come on. That was my theory. I literally, you gave me like 40 options and I went with salmon, and now we're saying it's not a salmon. You ran with it. You know what? It could have oh. turned into a salmon at this point. It's a mythical creature. Man, so who's my to say? One shot. I'm going to go with it being a seal because that seems the most obscure. And I, I like being on the fringe of it all. I just want to say dinosaur, I guess. I don't know. I personally, if 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 Loch Ness monster, if the Loch Ness monster were to exist, I would love for it to be a dinosaur. Truly, if like a, if Nessie were a dinosaur, I might I would be more excited than if it were like a mythical creature. I think like that yeah. would be so cool. I think that would be the my favorite uh, discovery of all of yes. them. If I found out it was an otter, I'd be like, what a waste of everyone's time then. But like, if it's a dinosaur, I'm like, now that was worth the research. <laughs> um, so, so that was the first time that the creature was called a monster. And then three years later, this was when um, a huge spike in uh, Nessie sightings came out because oh. a new road was completed right next to the shore. So it gave drivers a really clear view of the lake. And since so many people were now able to see the lake while they were driving by, from like a, a high ah, view, a lot of point. them were now na- a new vantage point. Yes, so now they were all able to get a better look, and people were reporting seeing this thing floating uh-huh. around all the time. Interesting. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, 
How could you go wrong? We have loved stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. So that's tied with uh, another event that happened, but I'm going to say this first. So that was in 1933, the new road was built. And in April 1933, that same year, um, only a couple months after the road was built, the there was a woman named McKay Aldi, and she was driving when she glanced out and she saw something in the water. She says it was uh, very large, it was black and wet, and water was rolling off of it, and it was a whale-like fish. Um, and so she reported it to the local paper, and this was considered the very first modern sighting because three years ago they knew – that there was a story kind of floating around like, oh, something could be in the water, but it was more um, conjecture. Like it was like no one was really taking it seriously. But this woman uh, reported this to the paper and only um, three days after this report came out, uh, King Kong, the original movie came out. Oh. And, and in that there's a scene of a brontosaurus attacking people in the water. Oh, Good timing, lady. Yeah, so I think the one from three years ago where the fishermen saw something, no one really, like, they were like, oh, that's a fun, like, story someone sent in. But this this wow. new story that McKay wrote in, only three days later, everyone, like, kind of was reinforced to see it again in a movie. And so it just kind of built up this rumor or kind of built up this uh, trend that people should be looking for things in the water it's in the media Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so like a mob mentality kind of formed um i don't know if i'm saying that right but it was like just kind of like a a group think situation so yeah um uh let's see okay so right after the movie came out um a man named george reported seeing the same creature that um mckay described to the newspaper because i guess he read that story he said oh i saw that exact same thing but then he drew a sketch to like confirm it and it looked exactly like the one from king kong so now <gasps> oh, there's getting the king- i thought you meant like the one from her story no no, but no, the no. One from king kong. got it the one from king kong so now it's like there's all this like you know these cross points of like okay mm. well who are you what are you seeing that's making you believe this or what's um priming you to think you saw something in the water i see um, and reports like that started coming in a lot where people were like, okay, well, where did, you know, what's going on? Uh-huh. Um, but George did say, this was a quote from George when he sent in the drawing, I saw the nearest approach to a dragon or prehistoric animal that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then he said that it was carrying a small animal of some kind. So oh, that no. made him feel like it must be really large um, versus just like being it was like carrying a fish. It- to eat it or like as a ride like a for a ride <laughs> that'd be precious but i think it was probably well, to eat it I think oh it was- i really was confused okay 
It's like, Bummer. and then I, and then a little turtle was on his head, and they That's just what I thought. floated around together. <laughs> I no. thought it was like the salmon finally back, and now he's riding on a dinosaur. I was very excited about this whole. I situation. wish that was the direction this was going. Let's just say that's what <laughs> okay. happened. Actually, that he was eating it. Fun. That's so much sadder. All right. But so I think that made them think like, okay, size wise, if it's carrying a small animal and this thing must sure. be huge in the water. Um, so only a couple months later, there was the first documented picture of Nessie. And although it's considered authentic, it's still really blurry and kind of ambiguous. But it is. Is the- that the famous one? No, that one actually comes out a year later. Oh, that's the okay. next one that I'm going to say. So the first one, um, I would say it's still pretty popular, but it's not like the black and white one that you're imagining. Sure. Um, but so the first documented one, it's considered the first authentic one, but you can't really tell what the creature is. But the photographer says that it was floating two or three feet above the water or its head was. So oh. just to like confirm that it was pretty big. Okay. Um, and uh, and also in a newspaper called Nature that same month, it was reported that, quote, several observers have seen an eel-like monster with humps upon its back and it's a creature with a small head, a long neck attached to its enormous body, and um, and something like an upturned and something the size of something like an upturned boat. So um, that was the same time that that picture came out. So I think that's why they consider it the first authentic picture, just because a description from other people came out at the same time. Got it. But then, uh, so at this point, everyone, like, kind of knows, like, okay, Nessie's a thing. Like, people are seeing things in the water. People are now getting pictures of it. And then the famous picture that you're thinking of um, is in April 1934. So this is the most famous picture of Nessie. It was dubbed the surgeon's photo because a surgeon took the picture, which is kind of uh, egotistical. (laughs) Now, a surgeon or a sturgeon? Because remember, that was one of the – sturgeon was one of the options. So I'm just saying – you're it's a little close. Don't worry. It psyched me out, too, because I was like, this, it seems weird that this wouldn't be just, like, the sturgeon photo if they're thinking, like, maybe this is a sturgeon in the water or something. But no, it a could surgeon. be a sturgeon fish, but a surgeon took the picture. Got it. Got it. What if you were a surgeon and your last name was Sturgeon? I mean, then you'd have to be a surgeon. That's, you have no other option. It's like. What if, what if you were a sturgeon and your name was Surgeon? <laughs> You know, one of the Duggars, they named their son Spurgeon. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. Are you making with, that up? With a P, Spurgeon. Nope. I'm not. Spurgeon. Are you when sure I, you're not making that up? I swear. How do on you? Ev- sp- I thought they all were named J or D or something. Okay, so the main, all 19 kids and counting, they were all named J's. But then, you know, as they're getting older, they're getting married and having their own kids. So one of the Duggar grandkids is named Spurgeon. Spurge, I like what I've never even heard that. It's apparent, so they I think their family went with a, a theme as well, but instead of going with like letters, they're naming all their kids after like biblical heroes or whatever. And so, sorry, Spurge, is that a biblical hero? Spurgeon, I only know this because of how like grossly obsessed I am with them. Spurgeon with the is Bible? uh the last name of this. it's the, the last name of a guy who like like traveled around and like taught everyone about jesus or something oh so it's not in the bible it's a uh like a specific reverend or something he's a baptist preacher from okay well what the hell spurgeon that's his last name yeah but they chose it for this kid's first name okay anyway so like if you're a surgeon if you're a surgeon (laughs) or if you're spurgeon no no more um, of this i can't (laughs) 
giving me so much anxiety. I need my Lexabro to kick in. Okay, so let's let's call this episode the Surgeon Sturgeon named Spurgeon. Let's call this Christine like loses her mind finally. <laughs> it finally happens. <laughs> M sends me over the edge into the lock. It finally happened. We almost got to two hundred. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so the it's called the surgeon, like doctor, surgeon's photo. Yeah, I get it now. Thanks. I'm just, rep- I, we've said a lot of things Stop that sound similar. Stop repeating it. Surgeon. Okay. I can't um, hear that word anymore. <laughs> after this photo came out, the popularity for Nessie went fucking bananas because oh. it was less blurry of a picture. It clearly was something in the water and nobody could figure out what it was. So all of a sudden there was this real intrigue to it because people had heard stories and people saw King Kong and they're like, maybe you're making it up. And like all the sketches kind of look like the King Kong thing. But now we've got like an actual hard hitting photograph that (gasps) you don't, you don't know what it is. Um, And so uh, the, and so officially Loch Ness became arguably the most closely researched stretch of water on earth. Um, And one thing that people notice in the picture is that there's actually a little flipper. And so that people were like, okay, well now it kind of fishes this because it looked almost like a floating dinosaur, which is, which would make sense to me. Which is what I want it to be. Right. That's why I desperately want it to be a dinosaur. But they're like, okay, we've got a flipper. And that was basically the only information they could go off of at this point. They're like something, there's something there. And that's all I can tell of. Okay. Um, they also saw that uh, there were waves created by the body, so they knew it was able to swim instead of it just ah, floating somewhere. Interesting. Um, and that's all they could really piece together at the time. And this picture, uh, actually only recently, only a couple years ago, Time Magazine selected it as one of the 100 Photos Project, which collected the top 100 most iconic pictures in the world. <sighs> That's so cool. Nessie was one of them. Um, You're famous, Nessie. You're famous. Oh, my God. You made it. You know, a big monster in a little lake. And now you're a (laughs) little monster in a big magazine. So that being said, and remember, Time Magazine came out with this recently. So they were aware of the fact that this picture ended up not being confirmed. It was... uh, they said it was a hoax. They found out it was a hoax. Wait, um, what? Yeah. So the, thought, oh. the surgeon's photo uh, was proved to be fake by two zoologists named Alistair Boyd and David Martin. Why would you do that? And it was actually, they found out it was a model of a, clo- a quote, clockwork submarine with a 12-inch wooden head. And someone had stuck it together and then gave it to their stepbrother as a present. And so oh, then the, cool. Thanks, so then, stepbrother. <laughs> thanks for your weird okay. tchotchke that you built in the garage. Thanks for this creepy gift. With this clock submarine and a head on top of it. <laughs> um, but it has a head. Don't you see? <laughs> yeah, I see. Thanks. I love but, it. <laughs> so then the stepbrother who it was gifted to went to the lake one day and uh, and took a picture of it. And then that's how... Like, he wanted to see if it would float and took a picture of it. And that's how this came to be, oh, the most famous my. picture. And he was a surgeon. So he wasn't a surgeon. It- this oh. this random surgeon guy, his name was Robert Wilson. Was that his name? I want to oh. make sure I said Yeah. So uh, there was a surgeon named Robert Wilson who claimed that he took the picture. What and, an asshole. And gave it out and said, this is Nessie. This is the Loch Ness Monster. But really, I don't know how he got a hold of the stepbrother's picture but he he's the one that um, sent it into newspapers and got what the a, credit for it. 
jerk. I mean, can you imagine you open the newspaper and you're like, wait, that's I gave that to my stepbrother and he regifted it to some surgeon. That's <laughs> like, my beautiful tchotchke. Wait, that's my shitty present that I put in the water. Wait. <laughs> oh, boy. Now <laughs> can it's you imagine, famous. Can you imagine if you're stepbrother number one who made it and you're like, I built the Loch Ness Monster? Yeah, I know. By like, accident? For, that's amazing, actually. It's kind of cool. Um, so the, so Robert Wilson, the doctor who claimed that he took the picture actually felt so guilty for creating a conspiracy that he fled to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> Is that what you do when you're, I feel like if you're guilty, you like admit that you did something wrong, but okay, I feel like you if you're guilty of, I feel like if you're guilty of murder, you flee to another country, but like, yeah, this seems a little, <laughs> but you know. I guess I feel like a, he's uh he'd probably be a very hated man. I mean, I'm not very happy with him right now, I'll admit. Like if I, you ad- admitted I guess that. Not. Well, also not like maybe he did a lot more awful things and he's yeah, just like true. hoping this is the one that sticks and no one investigates him any further. And I he's love like, that this was the like line that he crossed where he's like, "Now my empathy, my my like empathy's kicking in and now I feel like an asshole." For he's this like, "This is thing. the one. Like, yeah, I committed a lot of, you know, other crimes, but crime. <laughs> hopefully people will just see this one and I think it's my my ticket out." So I've grown a conscience. <laughs> so uh, Robert Gould published a book called The Loch Ness Monster and Others, and this was the very first book that dedica- that was dedicated to solving the mystery, which kind of reamped interest after people found out this picture was a hoax. Oh. Um, so it kind of goes through these waves where it's like, oh, people really care. Now people don't. People really care. Now they sure. don't. It's. I feel it like every time there's any new evidence, it gets kicked aside and then people get discouraged but then someone finds something new and then it reminds me of like i mean this is just such a random thing but it reminds me of like amelia Earhart. like when last year the year before there was like a photo that came out and like all of a sudden every newspaper online was publishing like yeah find amelia Earhart, and then it probably for another 10 years it won't you know be on your radar it's uh, yeah it's my first thought which is so stupid is it was the um the nasa broom thing where like there it's that trend that goes around every yeah. so many years where it's like that we get tagged in a million times <laughs> today's the only day where your broom will stand upright wait so. um it's the fucking the Roomba on the ouija board oh yeah that sometimes we'll get like 40 Roomba on a ouija board memes and then that's what this is become that's what this is, this is that's what this has been about that's what the that's the Loch Ness monster for sure everyone's talking about it and then nobody does for six months and then it comes so back. it's been a vacuum cleaner this whole time <laughs> wait a minute that's why they can't find him okay because <laughs> oh he's in my, my apartment right now actually okay oh he's um, not in mine don't look at my floors oh my <laughs> god this is terrible i'm like really uh not with i'm i'm making some bad jokes today i gotta say what are you talking about you're hysterical thanks um so in the late 30s this is how uh, so once that book came out and interest was uh hyped up again it got so hyped up that the scottish secretary of state had to make a statement so it goes from zero to 100 every time it's just like it's like i don't give a shit now i must know everything so now i live in papua new guinea So the Scottish Secretary of State, they were asking him, what has been done about this creature in the lake that everyone is seeing? And this was his statement. So first, he said he was in a conversation with the chief constable, um, quote, who already had five constables stationed at different places on the lock, uh, none of whom have seen the monster, but it is guaranteed protection should it appear and be threatened. Lieutenant Commander R.T. Gould, who, oh, Rupert Gould, the guy who literally wrote this fucking book. Oh, my God. Okay. 
Commander Goulds, uh, who has taken much trouble to examine the evidence, considers that the creature is a specimen of one of the rarest and least known of all living creatures. So the Secretary of State is like, I don't know what's going on. This is weird, but it's protected if it decides to show up. Um, And that's all I can say. (laughs) I have men on the lake watching over it, trying to find this thing, but I don't know what it is. Oh, my goodness. So for the next two decades, reports start to fade again. Um, This time I'm going to blame it on World War II. People were probably a little preoccupied. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. And then in 1960, we resurface with interest again because this one guy named Tim Dinsdale, which makes me think of Timmy Turner. Oh, my God. (laughs) Tim Dinsdale. Okay. Yikes. What? Like Timmy Turner. (laughs) Sorry, I just think like, like he could have the same name, Tim, like my stepdad also. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Dinsdale, like that's where Timmy Turner's from. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Doug Dibido, home of the Dinsdale Dibido. You didn't watch Cincinnati? Family of Parents? Cincinnati. There you go. Cincinnati. The Crimson Chin. So uh, in 1960, Tim Dinsdale reignited interest because he actually got real footage this time. And it was 15 minutes long. Um, oh. And it was footage of not only the monster, but a boat behind it. So now there was a size reference. Ah. So now you could see like, okay, well, if the boat is this big and that thing is this big, we can guess. And um, basically he was able to compare the sizes and determine that the Loch Ness Monster is probably 12 to 16 feet long, three feet high and six feet wide and travels 12 miles an hour. It's very um, slow, though. Very slow. Just likes to take a. It's a hmm. A, sa- a saunter is what he likes to do in the in the water. Just kind of saunter, a, Loddle, like a doddle. moseying. Yeah, dawdle around. Dawdle. Yeah. Uh, so the this footage actually, he was able to sell it and make so much money that he got to retire and just become the first ever what? monster hunter. What? So he, Tim Dinsdale, is on it. So now he's I mean, the. That's cool. The first ever monster hunter, and he just dedicated the rest of his time trying to figure out who or where Nessie was. Wow. Um, because of this, because of uh, the footage that Tim's D- Tim Dinsdale got, um, the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau was able to uh, be built, and they set up camp on the edge of the lake. So they're called the LNIB, the Investigation Bureau. And they were able to – so they set up camp, and they put people, like, basically on 24-hour watch of the lake – and they gave uh, whatever f- uh, footage they could find to the Royal Air Force. And they, the Royal Air Force said that the object could be seven feet long at the surface and uh, could be going at around five miles an hour. So kind of half the amount that Tim Dinsdale suggested, but still close enough where they're like, okay, so this thing is big and it moves really slowly. Extra so dawdling. Yeah. Just di- dilly-dallying. Yeah. Um, so... With all that information, the uh, investigation bureau felt like they at least had enough corroborated uh, information between the Royal Air Force and all this footage. They felt like the Loch Ness Monster probably existed at that point because so many people high up were taking it seriously. And so they decided that the next thing was obviously to go hunting for this thing for a tissue sample. So Uh now they're trying to kill it, even though the whole point was for it to be protected if it got threatened. How human of them. How human. Um, so they ended up trying many expeditions. All they ever got were really poor quality photos or, you know, bare minimum evidence. Um, so nothing really came from that. 
But in 1965, nine different people all at once came forward and said that they were all at different angles from all in different uh, spaces around the around the lake. And they all saw Nessie at the same time and watched <gasps> uh, watched Nessie swimming around for an hour. <gasps> Ooh, an hour. Oh, my an goodness. Hour. So it was just wow. hanging out for at least an hour and nine different people from nine different areas all wow. saw it from different angles. So <clears throat> one of those people, his name was Ian Cameron. And he was actually a skeptic before that day. Now he swears by it and says that Nessie's real. He was also a former cop. And so he knew that in court, if you had nine witnesses, that was enough for substantial evidence. Uh, (laughs) So he was like, you know, by law, this thing exists. (laughs) He's like, I have no choice but to believe it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, um, a few years later, a submarine called Pisces led the first real exploration. Before that, the investigation bureau had um, done like solo explorations or like had people kind of go out into the water and see what they find. But this is the first time a submarine is getting involved. And okay. uh, they, the U.S. actually sent cryptozoologists over to Scotland to help with the investigation. So, oh. um, and one of the cryptozoologists from the U.S., his name was Roy McCall. And he thought that originally the animal is probably Serenian, which is actually a basically the aquatic version of an elephant. What? Which I did not know even existed. That's um, fun. But so that's his best, his best guess. He's like, we're dealing with a Serenian. <gasps> so that's all I know. I should have done a deep dive on that or tried to find a picture or something, but... That's uh, that's his best guess. It would make wow. sense because it looks kind of like a little elephant nose sticking out, and it's true underwater, like a so, trunk. Yeah, an elephant yeah. nose. What is wrong with me? So <laughs> I was just gonna let that one go. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but so that's America's best guess as of the sixties. So this is just weird. In 1973, a Scottish poet named Edwin Morgan wrote a poem called "The Loch Ness Monster Song." I'm only mentioning it because everyone should go Google it and try to listen to this thing because it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's, what um, is it? It's, uh, uh, fuck, what's the word? It starts, experimental. Apparently it's an experimental poem. Oh dear. An experimental indeed because he wrote it. <laughs> there's no English translation. There's no human translation. He oh. wrote. <laughs> he wrote a poem in the language <laughs> of the Loch Ness monster. Stop it! So literally, the lyrics are like. Stop! Does he know what it means, or is he just like, nope, it's a mystery? You know what? He he could say yes, and I'd have to believe him, but I don't That's know. That's true. It's you literally just wrote a bunch of letters down and was like, oh, the Loch Ness monster song. That's wild. That's and wild. If you go look up Loch Ness monster song, there are people who like literally try to recite it. And so you can listen to someone saying it, but it's literally someone just going. And that's beautiful. I love your rendition. Thank you. I'm actually bilingual. So um, (laughs) finally, English is not your first language. Finally, actually, Nessie is my first language. So uh, this is just like a fun fact. Two years later, after that poem came out, uh, a couple people decided that the monster must be male. I don't know what made them decide that. It must be. And in heteronormative fashion, they decided that they would try to bait the monster out by creating a fake female Stop l- monster. Um, and so they built a 309-foot-long papier-mâché, quote, lady monster uh, with falsies. They put falsies <gasps> on it. 
They put oh full, full makeup. I like how they think that this is the shit that's going to uh, attract fish. But don't like, they put like an anvil on top of it? It sounds like a fucking cartoon. <laughs> it just, can you imagine if you're trying to like, uh, like get like a, an otter to mate and you're like, oh, let's, let's put on a, let's do a fake otter and put a full face of makeup. That'll be what, that'll lipstick. be what gets them. <laughs> Some if, contouring. <laughs> if the female otter doesn't have eyeshadow on, it's a no-go. <laughs> oh, my um, God. She has to try a little bit. <laughs> so they put falsies on this thing. They put uh, wow. full makeup. And they made a mating call, which, like, again, like, bold of you to assume you know what that mating call <laughs> yeah. sounds like. Because no one even knows that this thing exists. No I mean, one's it heard it. it sounds like glur, 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 whatever the <laughs> hell you were just saying, I think. <laughs> okay. You know what? Never mind. People have heard the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> God. But then I found out that their pre-recorded mating call that they attached to this thing was of a walrus who was male. So like, oh well, okay. Which like, if you're really trying to go the heteronormative route, where like he's only going to be attract, he's only going to be attracted to a woman, a woman uh, monster who is in falsies, and also monster, has the yeah. voice of a male walrus. Like, okay. Wow, that's my new orientation. Actually, <laughs> I've changed my mind. Oh my god, I don't know how so to weird. even like get it out. It's just so bananas. Oh my god. Um, and then surprise, like Loch Ness monster, like obviously sensed their ways and was like, "I'm not about that," and never showed. Um, <laughs> not about. I don't blame you, buddy. But their in their defense. They said, oh, well, the Loch Ness Monster never showed because when we put the paper mache monster in the water, it got damaged. So that's why he wasn't attracted <laughs> to it. That's why. He loved the walrus sounds, though. He, he loved He them. saw the falsies from a mile away, but when she when he saw the, the paper mache melting off, that was when he turned around. When the falsies in their face melted <laughs> off, yeah, it wasn't very attractive, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, that same year, by the way, it was proposed that the Loch Ness Monster species would actually have its own like scientific name. Um, which would be Nesoteris Robotarix, oh, uh, which it's common it's, with its common official name being Nessie or the Loch Ness Monster. Um, the generic name uh, Nesoteris is a combination of uh, the lake Ness mm-hmm. and the Greek word Teris, meaning uh, marvel or wonder. So oh. the wonder or the marvel of the lake. And oh, then that's nice. the specific name is Rhomboteryx. It combines the Greek word ramos, which means a diamond or lozenge shape, and the Greek word teryx, meaning a fin or a wing. So when you combine all of that together, um, what is it? Uh, Nesoteris Robotarix. It actually means the lo- the Loch Ness. The marvelous lo- lozenge. <laughs> Captain Marvelous Lozenge. Um, it's uh, the wonder of Ness with a diamond fin because that was the okay, only. Okay, that's much prettier than mine. Yeah. The only proof they ever saw in that fake picture, but that's what they based yeah. their scientific name off of. Oh, sure. Okay. Great. Um, it was later realized, though, that Nesoteris Robotarix is actually an anagram for monster hoax by stop it but it's so i don't know who this fucking person is but they like they put their name in it so it's an anagram monster hoax by sir peter s and so one of two things could have happened sir peter s is real and someone figured this out or like they're reaching and like they just had the leftover letters and they're like sir peter s (laughs) so i don't know like if it's if 
they found out that this was a legitimate anagram made by someone or if they're really trying to like just make the letters fit into a sentence. So that's a good point. That's it's a good just point. A, it's just a fun theory, fact, conspiracy kind of thing of like, oh, well, I love that, though. Yeah. Well, so now we're in the 70s, almost in the 80s. In 1979, remember I told you that the the most famous picture was debunked by two um, zoologists. Yes. So Archibald one of, or something. Alistair. Close, though. Sure, close. <laughs> so one was Alistair and one was David. So Alistair in 1979, even though he was the skeptic who, like, figured out it was a hoax, he had his own experience with Nessie. Just, like, total <gasps> plot twist. What? He was just like, oh, that's not real. And that was in 1934 the, that picture came out. And in 1979, so, like, almost 50 years later, he was like, oh, my God, there, I actually have a Nessie experience now. So... uh Apparently, this is a quote from from Alistair. I have had a very convincing sighting of what I believe was a large unknown animal in the lock. I saw what was obviously a very large, powerful creature turn around just under the surface, and then a large dark hump came out of the water rolling forward, uh, very much like a whale. It was there for several seconds. Neither my wife nor I saw it actually submerge because we had turned around to look for our camera, but when we turned around again, the water was totally flat. Oh, that must be so frustrating. Like, like you got the camera. Can you imagine if you're the one that debunked the famous picture and you Ugh. were only seconds from taking the actual official the picture? actual photo to replace it, man. So I feel like if you're by that, like, you have to have your camera, like, just fucking on, every, like, ready yeah. to go. If I knew that there's, a, like, an apparition that so many people see all the time in one park – Every time I go near that park, the camera is filming. Like, I have a I'm GoPro, everything. I'm wearing a GoPro. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Who knows what I'm going to see? Like, why would I Why would I risk not taking the pictures, you know? Exactly. Why didn't he put on a GoPro in 1979? That's what he I want to know. He knew better. He just, mm. he, he just wants the credit now. I see. Uh-huh. So, uh, a couple years later, the Loch Ness Project, which is a thing now. it. Love at, it. They also added um, sonar, underwater radar, for their investigations. And so now people in Loch Ness are sending out over 150 experts underwater for like 1,500 hours to get as much information as they can to map out the entire lake to try to figure out where the hell this thing lives. Oh, my God. With sonar. Holy yeah. shit. And they had – they actually um, – found over 40 promising large objects of what it could have been, but there's no official confirmation. <laughs> um, just finding large objects. They're okay. like, well, that's a big fucking thing. That's a big fucking thing. <laughs> Five years later, quote, Operation Deep Scan was greenlit, which was led by the Loch Ness Project. And it was a fleet of boats that were equipped with sonar and moved through the ocean for two days. And this is when they really... Aff- like really crunched out the numbers and mapped out the whole floor of the lake. Uh Uh-huh. And on the first day, they actually found two really large unidentifiable objects. Um, But then the second day when they went out, they were completely gone. So they were like, those things had to be, those things moved around. Where are they? Five miles per hour, but they got somewhere. They got somewhere. (laughs) They did it dilly dally all the way across the lake. Well, Unfortunately, they never found anything concrete, but um, between that time, 1982 and 1992, there were so many unofficial sightings and so many pictures that were taken and so many reports that uh, that was when the Loch Ness Monster officially became a cryptid because there was just so, I mean, there were literally like sonar projects coming out and like, you know, like it's 
uh, the real deal. The secretary of state had to make a statement a few years ago and somehow that wasn't enough for it to really land as a cryptid. But now that we're like bringing science into it and really trying to discover this, that's when it officially became this, uh, this big trend. You said like in the nineties, the 82 to 92. Okay. Eighties. Yeah. Um, in 1992, actually, uh, my favorite year, um, (laughs) then the real, uh, then the real cryptid cryptid appeared. It was born. (laughs) Um, there was, uh, uh, the daily mail printed a potential new picture, um, that was taken by a reader and it was this, uh, one of the daily mail readers and it was a really long eel with a weird looking head protruding out of the lake. And nothing really came out of it but i just wanted to tell you about it because i want to read the headline to you oh um, yes please do the headline Love a good daily mail headline the daily mail headline was <laughs> ness it was like weirdly roasting nessie for no reason uh, <laughs> well they do that <laughs> nessie rears her ugly head again but don't forget it is the silly season what i don't know what that, that means Oh my god, someone translate, please. The best the best <laughs> guess is uh the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival was happening at that oh. time that has comedy. I don't really yeah, know. They, it's the best guess. It's a lot of improv happening. Maybe somebody was just feeling silly. I don't know. I don't but know, that's but not like, very nice to call Nessie ugly, but you know. Wow, whatever. she's still ugly, but then again it's silly season. So maybe she's like just like being silly. She like without her, her falsies. falsies. Off. Yeah. Wait, so is it a girl now or is it a boy? <laughs> I is, always thought neither. Nessie was a girl, but a I lot too, of people. I, I feel like it's because the name is Nessie. Like it sounds, you know. Yeah, it sounds feminine. more feminine. But then again, yeah. I guess maybe we're all we're all definitely misgendering uh, the monster because we don't have a definite uh, understanding of the gender there. But we could call it a sand monster again, like you called Beach Wait a Sandy minute. listeners. So it fits. Except it's a lake monster. So oh, it's well. kind of like the inverse. They are probably mortal enemies. Oh, well, that would make sense, yes. <laughs> like a yin and yang thing. Like <laughs> one has the earth, one has the water. They How just need cute. like they just need the fire monster and the air monster and then you've got basically Captain Planet. Um, oh my, I'm now I'm lost. Okay. Okay. So, uh in 2019, uh which is one of the most recent developments is that Professor Neil Gamel led a project to catalog all living species in Loch Ness using DNA analysis. And uh, unfortunately, out of 500 million DNA sequences that they looked through in the water, of 250 samples, none of them were DNA uh, matches for dinosaur, <laughs> Jurassic, oh, rep- no. Jurassic reptile, catfish, or sturgeon. So, what about salmon? We don't know about salmon. <gasps> My first theory is back. <laughs> Okay, I can land back on my first theory. That's fine. I'll do that. But uh, Gamel did find significant amounts of eel DNA. So his best guess is that it is eel. Um, the ugly eel, like the Daily Mail said. But it's silly season. So, you know. Well, that's true. Silly me. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so far, there have been over 1,400 sightings. There have been um, eyewitnesses that have said that scientists really need to take this more seriously. Tim Dinsdale, the uh, uh-huh. OG monster hunter. Oh, yeah. um, he has since uh, since when he got that footage uh, of the monster himself, he has interviewed over 100 eyewitnesses and says that about 43% of people say that the Loch Ness monster, 43% of the people who have seen the monster, say that it had a horse-like head with a long neck and humps on its back. And one oh. of the eyewitnesses said, quote, 
It was like looking at the top half of a tire inner tube. You could just see the water running right off of its back. <gasps> cool. Um, today, there are around 10 to 20 Loch Ness Monster sightings every year. And one theory, which I love and would explain a lot, too, is uh, like explaining, assuming that the Loch Ness Monster is real, it would explain mm-hmm. why you don't see the monster all the time. One of the theories is that there's actually a tunnel that leads out to other lakes. And so Nessie comes and goes as they please. Or, the, or that there's more than one Nessie and it's like an actual whole species that sometimes surfaces but then goes into a tunnel and goes into other spaces. <gasps> I love that. I love it too. And it would make more sense if there were more than one. That's how they're like still breeding and still seen. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Great grandfather Nessie. Yeah. Great grandpapa Nessie. Grandpapa. Yes. <laughs> um, oh boy. Believers say that Nessie should be part of the Conservation of Wild Creatures and Wild Plants Act in 1975. Um, This act protects any animals whose survival is threatened, but only if the animal has a scientific and common name, which is why they really fought for it to have a scientific and common name so it could be registered. Got Um, it. Nowadays, most scientists don't pay really any mind to Nessie. All research has been wildly underfunded. Um, any videos that have come out claiming to be evidence have been debunked for being too ambiguous or inconclusive. And realistically, Nessie doesn't actually exist, but is in fact one of one or many of the known species that's just too far away enough for your eyes to understand. Um, Google says that there's like around 200,000 searches per month for Nessie still. So people are still looking it up. I was probably wow. one of those. Two, yes. Probably 50 of those 200,000. Yeah. <laughs> There was a, a a big tick in it because I researched it. Um, <laughs> and it apparently Nessie still brings a lot of tourists to Scotland. So it's really good for their economy. Um, and there is also uh, uh, the air, the Loch Ness area now hosts Nessie uh, boat trips. They also do a Loch Ness exhibit that shows the history of the Loch Ness monster through like geology and folklore and research. And the exhibit also runs cruises um, on the boats that were used for Operation Deep Scan. So you can be on the same boats that actually were researching for Nessie. And the area has something called Nessie Land, which Ooh. is, it has life-size models of Nessie, a dinosaur-themed cave, and a Nessie-themed adventure playground. Um, <gasps> and then uh, Nessie now, or Nessie at one point, also had a Macy's Thanksgiving Parade float from 1978 yes. to 1981. Which was sponsored by Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, which is where I used to go every weekend hey, in college. Hey. Um, and then another uh, another last fun fact is that on Loch Ness, there's a house called the Bolskin House, Bolskin House, which was home to um, the famous uh, occultist Aleister Crowley. Um, oh, so he lived on Loch Ness. Um, cool. And Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, who was a big fan of Aleister Crowley, ended up buying the house later, and it recently got destroyed in an unexplained fire. Oh, no. So that's Well, that's spooky. a weird twist. Yeah. Yeah. Something magical about it. Strange. The last thing I'm going to say, and my favorite thing I'm going to say, is that <laughs> in 2019, pre-COVID, uh, you know how there was uh, Storm Area 51? Mm-hmm. And the catchphrase was, they can't stop all of us. Right. Uh, so apparently there was another event that was uh, had at least 60,000 people saying that they were going to either come or they were interested in the event called Storm Loch Ness. And oh. the quote was, uh, <laughs> she can't hide from all of us. 
my god <laughs> she's like please i don't have my makeup on remember i, I need my falsies wait a minute uh, and in the info it was like all right everyone time to find that big boy <laughs> oh so, my god <laughs> i don't know apparently uh sixty thousand a user said they might come and it was meant for exactly 24 hours after the storm on area 51 oh goodness so, so they're just like it was gonna be a busy weekend way. it was gonna yeah. be a busy weekend <laughs> Anyway, uh, I don't know if that happened. Probably not. I feel like I would have seen it when I was looking this up. But that is uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Yay. Wow. I can't believe. So I realized why I thought you had covered it. It's because CK covered it in one of his first episodes on Mirths and Monsters, which I meant to shout out earlier anyway when we were talking about him. Yes. Everyone so, go listen to that podcast. It's a great sh- It's a great show. And um, it was – I just checked the second episode. Um, and I think we get a shout out in that one or – I think so. Or maybe the one He's such that, a lovely man. I know. He really is. Um, but anyway, so yay. Thank you, Em. That yeah. was fun. All righty. So, folks, I have something for you today. What is it? Uh, I gotta know. Tell me, tell if me. If you have been watching on the YouTube, I just lowered my ring light because I was being blinded. Um, so that's why I suddenly look different. Okay. It's a darker for a darker tone. Yes. We've just brought down the mood. Okay. <laughs> this is the story of Joshua Maddox. Oh, I don't know this at all. Okay. It was one of those where the name sounded really familiar. And I was like, oh, I probably know it. And then I looked it up and went, nope, no clue. So I am oh. very interested to tell you this. It's a wild story. Okay. Is it a is it a popular story or is it like, have we just missed it? Or is this like kind um, of under the radar? No, I think I've gotten quite a few requests for it, but I just never looked it up. I don't think it's gotcha. very famous or anything. Um, gotcha. I think it's just one of those names that I remember Joshua Maddox and it stuck with me, but... I didn't know the details until now, and I'm going to tell them to you. Gotcha. Okay. August 6, 2015, in Woodland Park, Colorado, uh, a CEO of a local construction company named Chuck Murphy headed over to a cabin that the company had purchased on Meadowlark Lane. Uh, they had purchased this cabin in the 50s, but now they were demolishing it to put in uh, like a new development of houses, basically. Okay. So... They went to this cabin, um, and according to Denver Post, uh, this is what happened. An earth mover peeled back a steel fireplace insert within the chimney. To their shock, they found a mummified body in Ooh. the chimney. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Bot- no. <laughs> they, so, in a, so at my school, right when I – so I was a freshman, and across the street there was um, – these apartments like these apartment buildings that our school bought and we were turning them into greek housing and we were turning them Mm. into um dorms and so this whole apartment complex they were tearing down different parts of it to make you know parking space and i remember knowing someone who was like uh working security when they were demolishing it and i don't know if it's true or not but they certainly spread the rumor around that there was uh, a story of someone being found in a wall in, in a wall the, in one of the apartments yeah oh so no. i don't know if it's real but that always stuck with me and i was like i kind of want to tell people that because it's like a wild story but also like maybe i'm just like spreading misinformation you should google it and check maybe there's like old news reports or something maybe i all i know is i that was like the story when i got to school that year where they were like oh they found dead people in the walls and i was like oh my god and then i ended up living literally on that property junior year and i was like "Ah." (laughs) it's haunted anyway um yes so they 
peeled back a, st- a steel fireplace insert, and in the chimney they found a mummified body. Uh, the body was in a fetal position, and it was upside down. So Ooh. the legs were above the head, which Weird. is kind of a, a scary, grotesque thought. So I'm thinking like it was thrown down the chimney instead of shoved up the chimney? <laughs> um, potentially. I don't, I don't know. I just I feel like even if it's a dead body, it would still go head first for some reason. I don't know why it being upside down is so wild to me. Yeah, no, it's it's a very weird part of the story. Okay. Uh, you are correct. So officials were soon able to identify the body. Uh, they used a combination of dental records, uh, gender analysis, um, whatever that is, uh, forensics, and the fact that the body was missing the tip of the right index finger. Hmm. Um, and they found out that seven years after he disappeared, it was the body of 18-year-old Joshua Maddox. Oh, no. Okay. I know. It's just fucking sad. Um, so Joshua Vernon Maddox, he was born in Woodland Park, Colorado, uh, on March 9th, 1990. Um, his parents divorced when he was young. So he grew up with his father, Mike, and his two sisters, Kate and Ruth. And, um, very cliche. He was well-liked. He was easygoing, like lit up a room, you know, the deal, um, was just like a good kid. So I listened to a podcast called the Dark Histories podcast that, um, covered the story did a really good job of it. Um, and they described him as something of a creative mind and a free spirit. And later somebody calls him kind of a hippie, like one of his classmates. So he's gotcha. He's got long hair. He's just kind of like a free spirit, played instruments, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, okay, so he uh his childhood was pretty happy, although he had this bicycle accident where he lost the tip of his right index finger when he was a kid, and that's how they kind of that's part of the way they identified the body gotcha um so apparently josh uh was also kind of a class clown he would interrupt class president debates um at at his high school and declare himself a candidate (laughs) uh he also like snuck into the school choir in a robe to sing you know just very like classic high school type pranks yeah um so when he was 16, unfortunately, things got pretty dark for him. Um, on June 1st, 2006, Joshua's 18-year-old brother, Zachary, died by suicide mm. um, after a battle with depression the week of his high school graduation. Um, and it was just obviously very awful for the whole family. And um, Joshua really looked up to his brother. They were only two years apart in age. So it was just a really horrible time for him. Right. Um, so let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, according to the Daily Mail, speaking of. Uh-oh, it's silly season. Nessie <laughs> reared her ugly head again. Uh-oh. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so according to Daily Mail, Joshua's father, Mike, said that um, Josh had experienced two difficult years uh, between 2006 and 2008 due to the suicide of his older brother, Zachary. And on May 8th, 2008, which was two months after his own uh, 18th birthday, Joshua left his home to go for a walk. Now, this is like not a weird thing. He was one of those people that just went on walks regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I go on walks because I have to because I have a dog. Otherwise, I right. would literally never leave my house. But I guess some people walk for fun. So Allison um, walks for fun. I don't understand it. Oh, I don't dear. Get it. No, no. She Neither. told me today, she was like, I'm going to go on a walk. Do you want to come? And I was like, 
no, no, I didn't. I need like a destination, preferably with food <laughs> at it. I'm like, what's the point? I'm like, are we walking to Starbucks? Like, where, right, where's right. going on here? <laughs> I'm sure I'll get some steps in and then drink a frappuccino. That's fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, otherwise, I'm not interested. Um, yeah. So apparently he went on walks pretty regularly, which I, I will say, I to be clear, I wish I were a person who liked to go on walks for fun, but uh, just not really. RJ likes to wake up at 4 a.m. for fun. So like we've That's all true. got Some our... people have issues. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I, I was mostly it. me, but also sometimes RJ. <laughs> um, so he left home to go for a walk. He was uh, nearly after his 18th birthday. Um, so that was normal. So the family was not concerned. They were concerned, however, when Joshua did not come home that night. He also did not come home the following day. Hmm. And so that's obviously when they started to get really worried until five days later on May 13th, um, when Josh's father, Mike, reported his son missing to police. Um, and I know five days seems like a long time, but I feel like Josh was the kind of kid that would just kind of go like hang out with people, maybe go to a friend's house. You know what kind I mean? Like a, I don't... a wanderlust kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. He just kept walking, I guess, you know. Never know. stopped. He saw the Never Starbucks stopped. and kept going. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, the oasis. Yes. <laughs> um so his father reported him missing uh in May of 2008 and over the next couple months they did multiple searches um around Woodland Park and the surrounding Pike National Forest area. Uh didn't find anything. Um, the Denver Post said, quote, Mike Maddox searched homeless shelters in Colorado Springs, scoured camp campgrounds in the Pike National Forest and scanned strangers faces on the street. So his dad was like desperately looking for him. Yeah. Um, the family couldn't figure it out. They thought like maybe since he had just turned 18, he had just decided to like start a new life somewhere else. Um, and I, you know, I think the fact that the family thought that was a possibility means like maybe that was just in his character. And, you know, he had had a really hard time those last two years. Maybe he just wanted to go. Live a new life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now that he's 18. Um, So, but they did say like the weird thing is that he seemed like really happy and calm and content and untroubled is the word they used uh, leading Mm. up to his disappearance. So it was like still a little bit odd um, and scary. Sure. Um, But according to a blog called Better With Crime, which I love the name of. I love that. Okay. I know. I thought it was pretty clever. Uh, Pike National Forest is a 1.1 million acre woodland a million acre woods okay anyway Wait a minute that's almost like <laughs> winnie the pooh but a thousand times but better. a little bigger yeah <laughs> uh so searching the entirety of the forest was like an impossible task um and the searches eventually stopped because they just couldn't find anything so there was however a cabin that was a quarter mile from the maddox's family home that okay. was and i i looked that up and i wrote the point something is this kilometers the sa- is this the same cabin that we end up finding him in yes okay got it yeah sorry i don't i didn't mean to jump no jump no on top of you there it is the it is the mystery cabin so the cabin was only a quarter mile from the maddox's family house and that cabin had never been searched because it just was someone else's property got it um okay. So the cabin was previously known as the Thunderhead Ranch, and in the past it had been an infamous drinking and dining establishment owned by a guy named Big Bert Bergstrom. (laughs) You know your food and your drinks are going to be great when someone goes by like an adjective. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Big Bert. (laughs) Big Bert is so good. Big Bert Bergstrom. Um, And it was also uh, infamous, according to Daily Mail, who loves these rumors, uh, infamous for illegal gambling and wild parties. 
They had Can Can Girls too. Big Bird doesn't wow. mess around. No, mm-hmm. no. Big Bird's here for the entertainment value. <laughs> Um, according to Dark Histories, uh, Big Bert Bergstrom had come to America from Sweden in 1912. So you have to imagine he also had a cool accent on top of his cool name. Oh, hell yeah. With some can-can girls by his side. This guy is just larger than <laughs> this life. Guy, he's you. just hanging out in the woods and like has a whole little drag show going on over here or something. In the like- Million Acre Wood. <laughs> 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 I'm so stupid. I was like, oh, it's the same as Winnie the Pooh. Like, not even, not yeah, even the numbers. Close. Are not close. I think also right. earlier I said it's like 10,000 times. It's like 10, or it's like a thousand times bigger. It's like 10,000 times bigger, right? It's a lot bigger. I'm not going to pretend like I know the math. Okay. <laughs> um, you can do that part. Uh, so, um, let's see. He had created this after the end of Prohibition, um, but he also, at the, on the side, used the ranch as an illegal gambling den and was rumored to offer sex workers as well. Um, he was arrested by the FBI, but the jury promptly found him not guilty. One of the theories being that they were they didn't want to see his establishment go. Which uh, no, I know. was going to say I was like, well, he probably like they're probably like regular guests of his. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't going to go well for the FBI. I guess right, right. According to a um, biography about former Colorado governor Daniel Thornton, and I just want to say the name of it because it's just so wild. It was called Stetson Pipe and Boots, Colorado's Cattleman Governor. Oh. Um, he even sent his attorney general there to take, quote, take whatever action was required to stamp out gambling. So Big Bert was making like waves in this tiny town with his yeah, big cap. <laughs> he sounds like he's a, a big fish in the, in the woods. He's a, a big Bert in this small a, town. A, a yeah. big Bert in the Hundred Acre Wood or whatever. In the Million Acre Wood. <laughs> big Bert so in the Million dumb. Acre Woods. <laughs> That's my children's book. It's very bad. It's all don't about it. uh, it's all about sex work and gambling and the prohibition. But don't worry yeah, about it. Maybe maybe don't read it. Uh, so this cabin, anyway. The point is, this cabin, uh, which used to be this crazy like gambling den, was only a quarter mile from uh, Josh's house. So that I, I did write down 0.4 kilometers. If mm. anyone is interested in that information, uh-huh. so very close. Um, and it hadn't been searched. So uh, at the top of the story, I mentioned Chuck Murphy, who's the CEO of this construction company, and he was the one who was demolishing this place to put in um, new housing, like a development, housing development. Got it. And that's when they found the body. So his brother had actually lived in the cabin and had moved out in 2005. So that's why he like had the property. That's why he owned the property. Um, And since his brother had moved out in 05, uh, the cabin was basically just like a decaying storage facility that chuck owned but didn't do anything with so it was like abandoned essentially it's like, like a random shed with that has like stuff yes. that they just don't ever you just ignore exactly it. <laughs> okay got yeah, it. You ignore it and uh <laughs> he did certainly mm-hmm. and uh he rarely visited it um so nobody ever searched that spot so uh during one of his rare visits over the next 10 years he checked on the vacant property occasionally um the daily mail reported that he said the place was damp it smelled like hell there was raccoon poop all over the place oh so gives you a good description i guess for your nose yeah for my nose only yes for only (laughs) (laughs) and maybe your anxiety if you're me okay oh wait a minute actually yeah my stress (laughs) smells it also oh my god okay um so fast forward to 2015 now it's been seven years since joshua's disappearance there still has not been a sign of him his family's just hoping at this point that he's like has a family somewhere else and is living his life um his father stayed this is pretty sad his father stayed in the family home in woodland park even though he really wanted to move because he just kept telling himself like if he returns this is where he knows to go 
to go to see us. Like this is where if Josh ever comes home, this is where he's going to be. So even though he wanted to move, he never left uh, the family house. I know it's really sad. So, um, you know, it's also horrifying, I think, too, of like all those years. And he was just a quarter mile away. That's yeah. (sighs) I didn't even think about that. Yeah. The whole time he was like basically in your backyard. Yeah, and you're like hoping he has like a whole life elsewhere. That's just so sad. Also, was it um, so? Hold on, I'm, I confused myself. So, his his family owns the shed or the cabin. No, the sorry, Chuck Murphy is a CEO of a construction company who's building like a development, and he owns the shed. Oh, okay, but right, it's right, right. only a quarter mile from the Maddox from where Josh lived. So it's just right. uh, it was just a neighboring property basically that nobody ever searched because it was owned by this Chuck fellow who never showed up. Like he yeah. was just. It's wild. Like, imagine if, like, someone you love went missing and it's just, like, in the weird house down the street. Like, yeah, you pass it. Like, you probably pass it on your walks that everybody seems to love so much. (laughs) On the way to Starbucks. Like, they're just on the way to Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. It's just pretty horrific. If I go missing, check all the Starbucks first because maybe I went on a walk. Yeah, I'm not going to look in a chimney. I'm going to look in a Starbucks. Maybe I went on an actual, maybe I went on a drive down the block because I didn't even want to walk that. Truly, you're probably walking through the drive-thru of the Starbucks. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. So Josh's father is still in the house because he's like, if he comes home, this is where he's going to be. So Chuck Murphy, our local contractor, is now the CEO of his family company, Murphy Constructors. And he is getting ready in 2015 to demolish his cabin uh, to make room for new development. And this is when they find the body in the chimney. Mm-hmm. So Chuck was like, uh, clearly had no idea who it was uh, or how long the body had been there. Um, and he apparently said, according to the Gazette, quote, the knees of the body were above its head. Oh, God, the legs devoid of flesh were dislodged from the body. A hand was raised to its face. The other hand was unseen. Oh, Ugh, it's just so creepy. Um, yeah, it's just like a gruesome picture. Um the coroner, Al, whose name is Al Bourne, stated that the hard tissue showed no signs of any trauma. So there were no broken bones. There were no knife marks or bullet holes. Um, okay. And the tissue itself showed no sign of drug use, of like drugs. Which, it's fascinating you know, that you can still see that so many That's years what later. I was thinking. I, was why, like, I would think like wow. by seven years, it's like, oh, well, there's – I can't tell you anything like, about this what's body. left, right? Yeah. Exactly. Apparently, they can – I guess if they have dinosaur DNA, like they can probably do anything. Um, Apparently, according yeah. to your story, so they can do everything um, except find Nessie. Damn. Well, right, exactly. Um, so the coroner went on to confirm to Huffington Post, "quote It was not an instant death. How they died is only a matter of speculation, but we know they did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days, and the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which one came first. But no matter what, it was probably painful and awful." Yes. So he said he believed it wasn't like a sudden death. Like it was, you know, not like a sudden traumatic death. It was like a a longer drawn out process, which is just awful. Um, And now something even stranger, another even stranger part of this story that nobody can explain is that they found a pile of clothes folded neatly at the opening of the fireplace and they were Joshua's clothes. What? And they had been folded and placed in front of the fireplace. Ew. Um, Yeah. Ew. It's such a creepy story. Um, all the clothes he had been wearing that day were in the pile except for a light thermal shirt, which he, the body still had on it. So he was, had been basically naked except for his light thermal shirt. And then all his other clothes were like 
folded neatly in front of the fireplace. Just so That's, creepy. Yeah. Do we, do we ever get an explanation for that? Unfortunately, no. Yikes. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I wish. Um, I wish, but no. It's not even because my thought is like, oh, if it were hypothermia, like I know a lot of people who die from hypothermia yes. are found naked because they actually think they're like on fire because they're so hot. That's it's so hot, right? That's but, what I was like, thinking you wouldn't, too. but then his like clothes would be scattered everywhere, not folded. You wouldn't like fold weird. Okay, whatever. I mean, maybe you would, list dear listener. I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't. In I'm fact, not that, even I'm without not that type A enough, no, <laughs> no, even without hypothermia, I can't manage to fold my own clothes. I was gonna so. say, I have three baskets of laundry that are not in my closet right now, they're yes. still in the hamper. Oh gosh, yeah, me too. Uh, how fun. <laughs> Mine are still in the dryer, so this is oh, going to live there. <laughs> <laughs> I at least pulled them out. Oh, boy. Okay. So it's just very weird. This pile of clothing, obviously, adds to the mystery. Um, his family, obviously, was devastated. Um, Joshua's sister, Kate, said on um, the local town's website, quote, Sometimes in life, our stories don't have happy endings. I'm sorry to say this is one of those stories. Since Josh was 18, it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I have always chosen to believe that this was the case. I've expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so they can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Oh, no. Josh has always been known for his mu- musical and literary talent, so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. Hmm. So that was wow. like what they had hoped for, basically. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this brought that to a crashing halt. Yeah. Um, It's just so sad to be waiting for him to walk through the door every day. I mean, imagine, like, what, seven years of, like, just any second now, any second now. Yeah. And the dad, like, couldn't even move because he was like, this is – I have to stay here and wait, which is just awful. His sister Ruth also commented, this is certainly not the outcome that the Maddox family and my brother Josh's many friends and loved ones were hoping for. We are, however, eternally grateful for the opportunity to finally provide Josh with the proper memorial service he deserves and to lay him to rest. So at the very least, they got answers, um, mm. not the answers they wanted, obviously, but, you know, they got an answer to, to the mystery in that regard, but also not quite yet about right. how this happened. Um so at the time, uh, the coroner, Al, Al Bourne, and the contractor, Chuck Murphy, had conflicting theories as to how Josh's body ended up mummified in a chimney seven years after he had disappeared, yeah. which I love that, like, Chuck's theory is up with the coroner's theory. Like, they're like the coroner and this guy, Chuck, have differing theories. I'm like, I guess Chuck can have his own theory. It's his cabin. I guess I guess he could have a million <laughs> theories. I just, I feel like I would trust the professional, but okay. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I have theories that doesn't, they don't mean anything to anybody, but uh, yeah. So Chuck, I mean, I guess he knows construction probably and knows more about fireplaces than I ever will. So maybe he, you know, he's probably more qualified to have theories than I am. But basically these were their conflicting theories. So the coroner believed that Josh, who was six feet tall and 150 pounds had tried to climb down the chimney. Um, And if he got stuck in there, he would have been too far away for anyone to hear his cries for help right which sounds alarmingly similar to the story that story we covered with the the gym mat yeah um it's just like yeah oh god what was his full name kendrick fuck see now i'm like i already i thought you covered nessie and now i'm forgetting my i literally i'm i'm so i keep wanting to say kendrick lamar and i know that's i know that's the problem 
problem. Kendrick, then start with a J. Kendrick Johnson. Kendrick. Is it cut? Hang oh, on. Fuck. Kendrick. I think it is. Yes, Hang it on. is Kendrick Johnson. Is it? Oh, Kendrick Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Kendrick Johnson. Wow. Just like Kendrick yes. Johnson. I like we like, but also like interesting because both of them were upside down, and yes, they both fell into something where they couldn't really scream for help, or that's at or least it's the like still. Are. Yeah, or it's still unclear, like, how they ended up upside down. But, but then, so then how would he have folded the clothes? Yes, so so these this is the coroner's theory. And so basically, um, the, the holdup to that, or, like, the counter to that is, like, why on earth, A, are the, the clothes folded, and B, like, he wasn't on drugs. Why is he climbing into a chimney? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, he was a class clown type, but, like, it's not like he had... Well, maybe he did have an audience. So, like, you'd maybe think he, if you were doing something stupid, you'd be doing it with, like, a buddy or a friend. And, but then, right. like, if he was, why didn't they call for help or get somebody? It's yeah. just odd. And like, also, like, what weird dinner party are you going to where your, 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 your party trick is that you're going to climb through a, a <laughs> chimney and then none of them are going to help you? Okay, you know? but what? <laughs> It's like you, when oh God, I, I hate that we always do this, but when Michael Scott gets himself in that straight jacket, it's like nobody helped me, and they're like, "Okay, <laughs> we won't help you." <laughs> okay, so maybe there was like a million Jim Halperts in the room, and then they all just went home. <laughs> they were like, "Fine, good luck." No, yeah. So that was the weird thing is like, if does that mean there was someone with him? But then like, why wouldn't they have called for help? Yeah, I feel like if um, you wanted to like, if you were cold and wanted to break into a room, you just do a, a, like a window, right? Like you wouldn't. Right. Need well, to- and also the clothes were already in there, so like. Mm. they'd already gotten in somebody had gotten in maybe he left his clothes folded on the floor he was in the middle of laundry then he got outside locked himself out and then went up the chimney to get back in i don't know he did laundry in this abandoned cabin (laughs) he did laundry without any water or soap and then also folded them on the floor i don't know i just had a thought what what if he was like had hypothermia or something pulled all his clothes off climbed up and was trying to get break into this cabin or something and then somebody later like spotted those clothes and like folded them up and put them inside thinking like oh maybe somebody dropped these i don't know that's maybe pretty extreme i feel like if i saw random clothes in an abandoned house though i would think someone was squatting in there and like race out and like but i, I mean like out, i mean outside like if he was oh. outside and he was cold and he was trying to get in the chimney or something i don't know that doesn't make any sense never mind None Again, of it makes sense, to be fair. I'm no Chuck, so to right. be clear, my theories are not up here with Chuck in the corner. I'm Ain't just the truth. down here. <laughs> oh, so sad. Um, always Christine, never the coroner, is what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> always Christine, never Chuck. <laughs> never Chuck! It's the saddest truth of my life. Okay. So, anyway, let's get back to the actual story. So, according to the Gazette, Gazette, there was a wood-burning insert in the chimney. um, And so, if someone climbed in from above, they wouldn't have been able to crawl back up, which does make sense that he would have gotten stuck. But, like, why, again, why would he have gotten stuck willingly in there? So, Chuck, on the other hand, believed that um, someone had stuffed Joshua inside the chimney. And if that's the case, it probably would have taken two people to position him with his legs that way. uh, nevertheless, he would have had to enter the chimney head first, so it's still, it's still hard to to kind of fathom. Because Maybe he got in with the wrong crowd and like owed someone money, and then like that was how they like got rid of him. You know? Yeah, Which but it's like just weird. Like I guess the logistics of it are just weird because you'd have to. It was definitely like, down, so like he was in, went in head first, but the way his legs were folded above him was just like how would that have 
Maybe huh. he went in and tried to get out and he got stuck. I don't know. How don't know. badly do you struggle to get out of a chimney, though? Like, if you, like, like, I'm trying to think, like, if you, like, Junie got stuck in the chimney and you went to, like, go fish him out. Like, I don't think you'd accidentally end up upside down inside the chimney, you know? <laughs> like, unless, like, Junie's really, I mean, like, do you, throwing. Have you, like, <laughs> met me? Okay. <laughs> I think that's, like, nice try, but that's. I mean, Junie's upside like down in the chimney all the time, but that's a different story. <laughs> Well, but he would have been put in head first. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, so essentially Chuck's theory involves foul play and the coroner says he thinks it was an accidental death. Um, but so there are a couple signs of foul play that kind of aid in Chuck's theory here. So he had installed a steel rebar like reinforcement steel on the chimney to, avo- uh, to avoid problems with animals and debris. Um, however, when the body was found, the cabin was a construction zone and the, the rebar was gone. Um, so some mm. people think, well, maybe it was already demolished and taken away, but he seemed to think that like it had been removed by somebody else. The like steel had been removed. So okay. that's another weird thought that goes to foul play. And secondly, a large wooden breakfast bar in the cabin's kitchen had been ripped from a wall and placed in front of the fireplace. Huh. But, like, why? It's just so weird. Ew. Uh, huh. Okay. And then, obviously, there's the problem of the folded clothing. The folded clothing, like, that, that one I'm just never going to figure just, out. Like, whether it's murder or not, the folded clothes are just a strange mystery. It's just super eerie, too, because it's like, it is. oh, so, like, I, uh, to me, folding clothes is, like, something you do slowly with patience. So either. Yes. So, like, you can't do that in the middle of, like, urgently frantically trying to escape from your death but then someone else couldn't have possibly like taken their leisurely time to do that without knowing he was in there and then didn't right like to take the care and time it yeah it adds so much creepiness to it either way um so initially the coroner ruled josh's death accidental but then he listened to chuck and he actually reopened the case only three days later chuck convinced chuck is a very convincing Hmm. man I suppose. Um, during the re-examination, however, they couldn't find enough evidence, so the case was then reclassified as an accidental death. So mm. uh, Better With Crime points out that under the coroner's ruling, Josh would have broken into the cabin, stripped himself down to just a shirt, climbed the roof of the cabin unnoticed, then would have lowered himself headfirst down the narrow shaft of the chimney, leaving enough room to pull his legs up to his chest, which, again, doesn't account for the missing steel and the moved breakfast bar. So it's just a wild thought. Like, that's kind of the theory that the coroner went with. Because, like, what else are you going to do? And there's no way that he could have, like, fallen in and then just, like, kind of, like, somersaulted enough that he ended up upside down? Like, there's... Well, I don't think it was a very big chimney because he was just jammed in there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. his body was like just pretty jammed can't in there. I figure this out. They called it narrow. So, um, yeah. And they said he had had to have gone f- head first. So it's not like he was walking and then like tripped into it. Like his whole body went in starting with the head, which maybe is much his, harder than. Maybe like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's solve this today. Okay. I was trying to think, um, like, what if people, what if, like, there was, like, someone was trying to do, like, something, like, him and his buddies were trying to do something, like, goofy and, like, you know how, like, there's, like, parkour people and people who like doing yes. kind of, like, dangerous stuff. Like, what if they, like, thought it'd be funny, like, trying to, like, to hold, hold, him in there. hold him upside down and then they slipped and then they got scared and ran off or something. 
Yeah, but don't you think they would have it's been so like, specific? I don't know. I have no, no idea. No, no, I know, but don't you think they would have been like, hey, we should tell somebody or like he's screaming know. for help? <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe they were friends who also hated him. I have no clue. Uh, I have okay. no clue. So anyway, they were parkour. They were only parkour friends, not real friends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so since the ruling, some other theories have popped up online, largely thanks to Reddit. Surprise, surprise. Um, on October 29th, 2015, um, Reddit user Fliplock89 posted a thread called People Who Have Known Murderers, Serial Killers, Etc. How did you react when you found out? How did it affect your life afterwards? Mm. And so this thread was actually only posted two months after Josh's disappearance. Gotcha. So this is way back in 2015. So then uh, the day after that, after the thread was posted, a user named, there's no way for me to get around this, Genta Mangina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just okay. get that out of the way. Um, posted on the thread and they said I went to high school with this skinny dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band I was never good friends with him or anything but a year or so after I graduated one of my good friends Josh started hanging out with him and then went missing Mm. last I heard Andy was telling another friend yeah me and Josh have been spending a lot of time together we're planning a trip to New Mexico Uh so this hippie named Andy was actually a real person so Andy was this guy named Andrew Richard Newman, who was indeed a friend of Joshua's from school and has since become like the unofficial suspect, crime suspect in Josh's death. Um, So other Reddit users who claim to have also known Andrew Newman at school also found him strange. Um, Another user, S7UB55, said Andy was fucking weird. Josh was just the type of person to hang out with anybody. So when they started hanging out, it was just Josh being a friendly guy. Relationship was only kids that went to the same school until they started hanging out shortly before this happened. I think Andy was into some heavy shit, though. Josh was just a stoner as far as I knew. Um, But Andy liked to get way too messed up. I'm pretty sure he did meth. So if that is the theory that they became friends, like, yeah, you're like maybe this kid was on meth and like Mm -hmm. that, you know, fueled the weird behavior and the the violence. I don't know. Um, But the coroner said that they didn't find any, any drug stuff. Right. But I I mean like the friend, like if the friend did meth or something and then like attacked his own friend. Or them or something. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But you're Mm. right. I mean. That makes sense. That could, that mm. could very easily be it. I feel like it at least meth explains some of the strange behavior. Yeah, <laughs> like it's folded like, close and the breakfast. I, don't, I really hope you. I really hope nobody was on meth, but like yeah, right. also, like I can't figure out a different explanation. So yeah, it's 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 odd. Uh, so Andrew, just like Josh, was also an aspiring musician. Uh, there's this website called Unsigned. That's like um, a website for aspiring musicians. And Andrew's profile said the following. He says he began his musical career in the Balmers, B-A-U-M-E-R-S, a local rock and roll group that achieved a large local following in their hometown, Woodland Park. In May 2006, the Balmers broke up and Andy began his solo career. You must become the change you wish to see in the world, said Gandhi. Andy, <laughs> hmm. Andy Newman is a lover and a fighter. He enjoys the recreational use of drugs and despises the political state of affairs in modern day America. He would like to see the war in Iraq come to a close. And he's also very unsatisfied with the amount of power the average street cop has over a civilian. Interesting Hmm. point. He is an anarchist at heart and abhors any form of control, social or personal. He's a big supporter of the arts and is a frequent practitioner of creative writing. This is the best part. He is also a sexually fierce man. Oh, 
and enjoys the physical act of love immensely. Oh. He is a damn madman from the second he sets foot on stage to the moment he steps off. So, like, this is his weird wow. musician bio, which I don't know why Warner Brothers needs to know about, like, right. your sexual fierceness, but, you know, whatever. Can you, like, we should put that on our on our podcast bio as well, Rabbit. <laughs> We're, like, not sexually fierce. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, um, obviously, this guy's kind of weird, you know in general but the weirdest thing is that the police never questioned him never brought him in um because they couldn't place him in town at the time of josh's disappearance but after high school andy's character gets even murkier so he actually did go to new mexico in 2009 the year after joshua disappeared and he stayed with a friend of his named james walito who was a caretaker of a man with disabilities and um apparently james had become friends with andy and told him like oh if you come to town you can stay with me and so I guess James left Andy with the man he was taking care uh, of. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And went to go literally just went to go take a shower. And when oh, he returned, shit. the man he took care of was dead on the couch from a stab wound. <gasps> oh my and god. Andrew was gone. Like Andy literally murdered this man. Holy shit. Okay, well, in my mind he did it. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's like, like basically becomes like Andy did it. Yeah. What does Chuck think? Wait, let him chime in. <laughs> oh, Chuck. Yeah, I know. I'm not good enough. Somebody bring Chuck on the show to explain <laughs> this. Um, so yikes. That's just terrible. So apparently months later, according to Medium, Andrew was taken into custody after he was reported wandering around Texas County, knocking on doors and asking for water and food. After processing his fingerprints, it was revealed he was wanted for the stabbing in New Mexico and also a burglary in Washington, but he was never formally charged with either one. Um, And he's currently apparently fighting extradition to New Mexico. Uh, Also, he apparently confessed to killing a woman and stuffing her in a barrel in Taos, New Mexico. What? Uh, But police had already arrested someone and... uh, said like this other person did it not andrew so either way if he did it obviously that's fucking horrible if he confessed to doing it and didn't do it that's also like a huge red flag it's also like i mean at the very least either way he's unstable either way yes there's something either wrong he killed someone right. or he like wants people to think he did yeah or he wants people to think he stuffed someone in a barrel exactly yeah. so it's like something's going on um so apparently he now has a criminal record in at least six states um And a lot of those were in Florida. Uh, And back on this Reddit thread, so we're back to Mangina, uh, who says... I missed him. (laughs) I know. Even he has more fucking authority than I do. Right. Uh, Chuck Mangina. Mangina is on top of it. Yeah. Seriously. So uh, Mangina says, several of us went to the (laughs) cops saying, yo, Josh, who went missing, was last seen with Andy, who's a murderer. Maybe you should check it out. Despite a fair amount of pestering, nothing really came of it. And by nothing, I mean the police didn't even return our calls and once Holy accidentally shit. canceled the bulletin on Josh because, quote, he's alive and well and living in the next town over. He wasn't. In addition to Josh having last been seen with Andy immediately before his stabbing spree, people called in to report having heard rumors that Andy was bragging about having put Josh in a hole. Uh, Yeah. So. Oh my God. Okay. Apparently this guy's still running around like in the Still? Open. Like, even yes. with, like, all of this, like, mm-hmm. at least suspicious information, no, yes. the cops are not even trying to track this guy down? No, he hasn't been charged with any any of it. Mm. Even the stabbing of the guy at the his friend's house. Kel Surprise? Kel Surprise. 
Another theory recently emerged. For, also, I love that this guy's like, oh, I don't like the power cops have. And then I'm going to like stab a bunch of people. It's like, okay, that's right. not how this works. Okay. Right. Um, another theory recently emerged from Reddit. Uh, a user named Train in the Distance uh, basically says maybe someone broke in with Andy or other users to smoke meth, freaked out, like uh, undressed and stuffed him in the chimney. And maybe the other person's freaked out and put the furniture in front of the fireplace. Mm. And like he just contorted, tr- like struggling in the fireplace. Um, so that was one theory, which I think makes some sense that there were multiple people and they were sure. doing meth. They didn't want to tell the police. They panicked, yeah. whatever. Um, so the death, unfortunately, still remains officially categorized as accidental. And Andy Newman is still uh, apparently believed to be living in the Florida area. So look out. Wow. Um, Joshua Maddox was only 18 when he passed away and was only discovered seven years after his disappearance. Um, as his sister Ruth remembers him, quote, he was my best friend and he always inspired me to strive for greatness. Joshua tell me that one should never say anything bad about anyone else ever. And I tried to be more like him. Hmm. And that is a story of Joshua Maddox or the boy in the chimney, as he is sometimes called. Wow. Wow. Just horrific stuff. <sighs> That's infuriating that like this guy's just waltzing around right now. Yeah, it's not good oh for anyone, gosh. really. Wow, that's the the most frustrating part. Imagine being um, Josh's parents or like Josh's family, and like knowing that like yeah, there's a chance, there's a large chance, to, in my opinion, and like this guy's just hanging out doing whatever. Especially he wants. if he's like running around bragging about it, and still yeah. they haven't even questioned him. It's like, hmm. Oh my gosh, I can't I know about this. Process that. Okay. Well. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for uh, uh, just another reason to. To drink. I guess that's what this whole podcast you is about. You are so welcome. Um, sorry, we thought this would be a shorter episode, and it's literally been just as long as the last one, I think, or close. I don't know. Oh, well. Um, I just like oh, well. he- I like hearing you talk, so I I'll, I just allowed it. I was like, ah, oh, keep going. Aw, thanks. The soothing, sultry sounds of Christine, <laughs> but never Chuck. So Never Chuck. Never Always Chuck. Christine, never Chuck. Um, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, you can check out our website, and that's com. We're on social media at ATWWD Podcast. And, and we have merch at ATWWDmerch.com. I think the last day for merch sale is tomorrow because this okay. comes out that Sunday. Oh, um, okay. Cyber Monday is tomorrow, so last day mm. of sale. Yay. I'm All very right. excited. All right. Well, and that's why we drink. Beautiful. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 